the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty-seven. I am your host Dustin, and today I have with me this is Stella, and Ed is unable to join us this time around. So we have a ridiculous amount of news because it is Comic Con season, as you all know. And Comic Con, as you're listening to this episode, Comic Con is underway. But DC Comics has been known, for, at least for the last couple of years, to release everything that they're going to talk about at Comic-Con ahead of time. So these past two weeks that we are covering, which is July 2nd through July 15th, uh, there is a ton of news to cover as far as announcements that DC has made. So let's just jump straight into the news. So before we get into any of the announcements, the first thing we have is uh, Jessica posted up the numbers for May 2017. And there there isn't a whole lot of surprises around around the place. Um, Gotham Academy second semester, as we know, is already coming to a close. It unfortunately has dropped way, way down to only 7,400 copies per month. So that's clearly one of the, maybe one of the reasons that it's ending outside of just the fact that the creators have chosen to end it where it is. It might just have to do with the fact that there hasn't been an audience as much as they had hoped. Um, some of the other interesting uh, drops and increases have been, uh, as we know, in May, there was a crossover in Teen Titans, Titans, and Deathstroke uh, called the Lazarus Contract. Both Titans, Teen Titans, and, or I should say all three, Titans, Teen Titans, and Deathstroke all saw humongous increases in their numbers uh, for their issues that were involved in the crossover. So uh, clearly the crossovers sometimes work, at least as far as sales go. Um, But outside of that, nothing really abnormal. Batman number 23 dropped 48%, but that was due to the fact that it was it was comparing it to issue 22, which was the second issue of the button that was part of Batman. So sales numbers are on the website. Uh, we are bringing you those back and uh, starting every single month now, we'll be covering sales numbers again on a regular basis. We're trying to wait until we had a one-year milestone so that we could compare one year to the, you know, a year ago to compare those types of numbers. So either way, sales numbers are on the website for you guys to check out. I know there are a bunch of you who enjoy the sales numbers. All right. So getting into the nitty gritty of some of the announcement that DC have made first up on July 5th, it was announced that the Batman, Batman and Harley Quinn film that's coming out uh, just in just in August, uh, just around the corner, is actually going to be having a digital prequel and sequel. Uh, The prequel series will begin on July 31st, and the sequel series will come later on in October. Um, This will only be in digital format. They're not going to be releasing this in print format, individual issues, things like that. The prequel is going to be five chapters in digital form, and the sequel will be seven chapters um, there's a number of creators that are going to be writing or writing and, and working on the, the series, including Jeff Parker, Craig Rosuo, Luciano Vicho, Amanda Diebert, David Hahn, Dario Brazel, Matthew Dow Smith, Sandy Jarrell, and Ty Templeton. Um, the 
if you if you don't buy your comics digitally, don't fear, you will be able to find this series. They will collect it actually as a trade paperback sometime in early 2018 for you to pick up in print format. But that will be the only way you'll be able to pick it up in prints. I'm guessing it'll probably be collected in a what will more likely more than likely appear to be a graphic novel, but it will actually be a trade of just the digital chapters. Sounds like a good idea, mainly because I think Harley Quinn is one of those characters that has <laughs> this huge popularity surrounding her. And I, I have high expectations for this film. And so why not go all out and have these, uh, the prequel and the sequel, which you must think one was enough, but I guess they want to make it into a nice round trilogy. I'm surprised I didn't hear, like, Ty Templeton, I'm aware of, and there were, let's just say there were some writers that I was aware of and some that I wasn't, and I'm just surprised that they didn't bring in heavier, like, heavier weights, people that are really associated with her, like Bruce Tim. I mean, wanted to have him visit that, or Paul Dini, or um, maybe Amanda Connor. And, and but maybe they're just sort of farming it out to, to people that wanted to crack at it for the first time. Maybe uh, that's that's probably most likely with the case. I, I know that Poldini, as we know, Poldini has been writing the backups or the second stories in the pages of Harley Quinn for the last few months. So maybe he's just a little too busy to be involved in that. Um, the And speaking of Harley Quinn, there was actually another series that was announced having to do with Harley, uh, but this is actually Harley Quinn and, and Poison Ivy. They're going to be taking a road trip over to Riverdale uh, for them to meet up with Betty and Veronica. Uh, Paul Dini will actually be teaming up with Mark and Draco to pen what is going to become a six-issue miniseries with Laura Braga handling the art duties. Um, but basically, the gist of it is that for something brings Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn to, to Riverdale, and they have to compete, and they're competing for Archie's affection from Betty and Veronica. So that is going to be cracking out beginning on October 4th. I'm a little confused about this, mainly because Ivy and Harley are dating they're like together <laughs> so why do they care about archie at all well i guess maybe it's a different take i don't know okay. but that it, that it's happening uh i mean i honestly it feels like okay. they, they they figured out they they basically maxed out as many crossovers as they possibly could have with batman 66 there's some that i would have loved to see like james bond and things like that and the reality of it is it can only last for so long and, and clearly they've run out of things. Legions of superheroes is, is it, that's coming out uh, while you're listening to this. It's, it just came out in print copy, um, a one shot featuring the legends of superheroes, but that is said to be the last of the Batman 66 stuff. But now I guess they're just going to try to branch out and have other characters branch out and crossover with other characters from other publishers. It's interesting because we're, we're, you know, we currently have the Shadow and the Batman crossover, uh, which is DC and Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, we've had in the past stuff with Boom, with uh, the Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy. We had stuff with IDW with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's interesting because, I mean, as a Batman specific DC fan, it's I, I, I don't know if Marvel's crossing over with a ton of other properties and other publishing companies, but it seems like DC is doing it a lot. Um, but I don't know if, you know, this is just something that's happening all over the place or if it's just, you know, DC's making use of B 
being friendly with these other smaller publishers? I can't think of any uh, off the top of my head that uh, they're doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Just like they've, they've got so much stuff going on with their own titles and the constant renumbers of ones and things like that. And now they're doing something of, I think like generations, something. And then it's like Captain America and another Captain America. So they're doing their own thing. So I think going on on their own plate that they don't have time to go out with other publishers. It's true. All right. So our next announcement comes on July 7th. DC finally revealed details for Sean Gordon Murphy's project, his solo project. Uh, This is going to be called Batman White Knight. And basically the idea of this story is that uh, a wholly reformed Joker is taking on using, taking on Batman instead of using uh, laughing gas and booby trap theme parks. He actually uses the legal system. Um, Sean Murphy had said, seeing Gotham for the first time with clear eyes, his psychosis now cured. He starts to understand the absurdity of vigilantism and how Batman's actions are only contributing to Gotham's endless crime cycle. Joker sets out to beat Batman by becoming the white knight that Gotham really needs. He also has stated since then that uh, this is not set in normal continuity. This is set outside of the normal continuity and has a slew of villains that he wants to or that he he plans on appearing. Uh, this is planned for seven issues. The first issue will hit stores on October 4th as well. If you are interested in taking a look at some of the art, we do have five pieces of the art from the series, um, uncolored, already available over on the website. For, so take a look at that. Next up on July 11th, it was announced that Ragman is going to be returning to Gotham City in a new miniseries just entitled Ragman. Uh, this six-issue miniseries will be from Ray Fox, who we know it from writing stuff in Batman Eternal, and artist Anaki Miranda from Harley Quinn, and she's worked on a variety of other to- titles as well. Those familiar with Ragman, Ragman is the alter ego of Rory Reagan, He was created in the 1970s as a war vet who dons a tattered suit and with the power of the sea souls intertwined in it. The powers include enhanced strength and affinity for magic. Um, Seems like a perfect person to be added into the Justice League Dark. Um, We know that the character has previously appeared in Arrow. It was just an Arrow last season. Um, But the new series is going to bring him back to Gotham City and kind of update his origin to make it more of a, you know, not necessarily the Vietnam era, but more of a more current day Middle Eastern uh, war era. So take a look at that. The first issue is also going to hit stores in October, October 11th. So October is going to be jam packed with tons and tons of miniseries. Then on July 13th, it was announced that uh, Dynamite and DC will reteam for a Shadow Batman sequel. Um, it's not necessarily a direct sequel to what we're getting right now with Batman the Shadow um, and that's specifically coming from DC that the new the new miniseries is going to be published on the Dynamite side um, and is entitled the Switch the Shadow first with Batman second um, instead of it, it will still have Steve Orlando as the writer um, who he's teaming up with Scott Snyder on the current Shadow Batman miniseries. Um, but he, but Scott Snyder will not be joining him on the sequel. Um, art will be done by Giovanni Timpano, who's known for his work on Cyberforce and Eclipse. Um, the solicitation for the actual issue basically states that the two icons have to face each other and potentially eventually 
team up. So the first issue will be on sale on October 4th as well. Um, and it will be priced at three ninety nine. So the question is, do we need the, do we need another sequel immediately following? I mean, literally the first shadow Batman sequel series is wrapping up in September. And now we have a second one that's going to kick off immediately the next month. Does it seem like it's just kind of a flip flop where the publishing companies, one's publishing one, the other's publishing the other one. They're just deciding to do it whenever they want. I mean, to me, it seems a little premature to do a sequel just literally the next month when you could have just done a 12-issue series and split it, but I guess that's what it is. But I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, from the Batman standpoint with some of the other crossovers that we've had between other publishers, for example, like we had uh, the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first one was written by James Tynion and art by Freddie Williams, and that one kicked off in November of 2015, ended you know six issues later in May of 2015, uh, 2016. Then we had in November of last uh, of 2016, we had the Batman T- TMT Adventures kickoff, which was written mm-hmm. by Matthew K. Manning. It was a different creative team, but that title was specifically published by IDW, even though it was cross-branded. And the first one with James Tynion was actually cross-branded too, but it was it was published by DC. And I'm wondering if there's just like this desire to, you know, for obviously for a smaller publisher, it makes sense to try to get a big name like Batman in your book or a book and have your name as the publisher on it because you can get more sales. It obviously is a win-win for a small company. Um, for DC, it just gives them the ability to tell unique stories that they couldn't otherwise tell because these characters aren't part of, of the DC universe. So Mm-hmm. I, I can see the appeal one way or the other. I just, it seems like it's very evident, right? It's happening a lot right now. We have the, we had the green lanterns and the star Trek crossover recently. They had uh, the war of the Pla- or planet of the apes crossing over um, with, with green lantern. So, I mean, like there's a lot of interesting things they're doing with these crossovers and that's not even counting the stuff that's actually under their own umbrella, like the Looney Tunes stuff we saw last month or the Hanna-Barbera stuff that we saw uh, back in February with some of those crossovers that happened as the, the, the specials at the end of the month. So, I mean, it just seems like they're just – I don't know any other way of putting it. It just feels like they're experimenting with a bunch of different ways to have their characters in different books and tell different stories and different types of stories that they couldn't otherwise tell if they weren't involving these crazy characters. All right, so then the last bit of news we have comes on July 14th. The If you've been following along with uh, This Week in the Batcave, the weekly article that Jessica posts on Monday mornings, you have noticed that there was a, there was a series, not necessarily a series, but a project that was announced by Enrico Marini, who is an Italian artist, um, and he actually he, he announced himself on Facebook a couple weeks ago that he's working on some sort of Batman project. Well, DC officially announced it on July 14th. It is called Batman, the dark Prince charming. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's two graphic novels. Uh, oh. One will release one will release in November. The other one will release uh, in, in 2018. Uh, it will involve Batman and Joker and perhaps a new character. The solicitation reads that there's a connection between Batman and Joker 
and they share with a strange, mysterious young girl after she she's kidnapped by the Joker. Batman must plunge deep into the underworld of Gotham City and race against time to find out where she's being held. The stakes are high for Batman, and it's personal. There, I mean, the, the art. If you've if you've taken a look at some of the art that we have uh, showcased on the website, or that has been showcased in the previous this week in the Bat Caves, um, the art is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, crazy, crazy, amazing. I, or, you know, detail, um, definitely check out the arts. It, it's again, it's interesting because this is also a cross branded promotion with a publisher out of France who is normally publishes a lot of Enrico Marini's work. And, uh, this is also cross branded on, you know, for it. And I'm wondering, and, and they did say something about, this wasn't in the official press release. This was something that Marini had said himself on Facebook when he announced the project. He said that the two graphic novels were going to be released in two different types of formats. I'm not sure what that means. And I don't know how they release trade paperbacks in France to know whether or not it's a humongous difference than what we see, but it could be as something as simple as one book is, you know, vertical, the other one's horizontal or something like that. Um, cause that's definitely a different type of format. So it'll be interesting to see what's, what, what comes of this. But again, this is another interesting way of putting out stuff and falls in line with, you know, what Scott Snyder was saying about when he eventually relaunches all-star does whatever they're going to do with the changes of what was all-star and what will become whatever the new project is. Um, it definitely seems like they're trying a bunch of different things definitely experimental phase uh, when, when it comes to publishing different types of characters as well as formats. So, all right. So then obviously, uh, as I said, there was two articles uh, for this week in the back cave. If you want to take a look at those, there's all kinds of really cool art pieces that were released as well as different types of uh, little tidbits of information. Uh, just a couple of tidbits that uh, you might not have otherwise known if you didn't read them. Uh, Mark Silvestri, who is best known for being one of the seven artists that actually came along and broke away from the industry to create the company Image Comics at the time alongside Jim Lee. And then he eventually went on to be the CEO of Top Cow Productions. And he's been currently, we, we talked about this like years ago. He's been working on some sort of Batman project, but it has yet to be officially announced. But he did release some new art. Um, that had previously not been released. Um, also, there was a project that Chip Kid is working on, some sort of new Batman project as well, and it's planned to be announced sometime in September uh, or before September, so it's probably not coming out until the early next year. But you can definitely check out details of all of these projects, as well as the normal weekly projects, as well as all kinds of really cool, unique art as part of This Week in the Batcave, which as I said, publishes every Monday morning. So be sure to check that article series out. So with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. And the very first one we have is Batman. Batman number 26, War of Jokes and Riddles Part 2. Script, Tom King, Pencils and Inks, Mikhail Janin and Chunk. The Riddler, having a portrait and patched up by a former doctor, heads out on a walk through the park with Poison Ivy. He strikes the first public blow of his war with the Joker, saying that he is going to kill him. <laughs> Joker responds in kind by having a hit put out 
put on Balcony. Thanks to Poison Ivy. Thanks to Poison Ivy's intervention, however, the hit does not go as planned. Joker is, of course, less than thrilled with these developments, and he presents Falcone with his mother's knowing that he actually killed her in expectation of Falcone failing to complete his assignment. Joker then kills the rest of Carmine's henchmen, leaving one low-level henchman alive as his new assistant. Guess who it is? It's Oswald Cobblepot. Now, as all this is happening, Bruce is narrating the deaths of everyone who died or fell as a victim to Riddler and Joker's war. And he also describes how things are beginning to ramp up for Gotham, as well as which side the different rogues chose to be on, either Joker or Riddler. Strong, he was a naked. He just has sort of Speedo-esque briefs. So there you go. So next up, view from the street, Kite. <laughs> okay. My first question is actually about this younger Cobblepot. Comic evidence that a younger penguin would be in the employ of Falcone, or are we seeing a Gotham influence, uh, Gotham influence change? Yes, basically Gotham bleeding over into the comics. Um, yes, yes. Yep, that's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, is it possible that Penguin could have been working for Falcone? Sure, it's possible. Um, I mean, clearly there's a connection there between, you know, because of Gotham and Penguin's connection to Falcone in Gotham TV series. But I can see in some ways Penguin being, you know, a rookie criminal or whatever and you know trying to figure out a way to build himself up and he goes to work for Falcone because Falcone is one of the better people to potentially work for at at you know at this point so i it's entirely possible i mean definitely there's some connections there because we've never seen this before and they're drawing can, there's there's definite connections that can be drawn to the Gotham TV series which I, I want to keep that Gotham TV series as far away from any material as possible just because of how much I dislike it. But <laughs> that being said, I'm completely okay with the idea of Penguin being underneath Falcone, using Falcone as basically a mentor, even if Falcone is a mentor unwillingly, um, trying to like learn the ropes and try to figure out how, you know, how best to go about ruling the underworld by being under the tutelage of of Falcone, I think it, it works perfectly. Yeah, I well, I was shocked first of all because I don't know, here we go again with with Gotham the TV show bleeding into my comics, but I, I think you know he has to work his way up at to where he where we know him to be, and this seems like a logical place for him to be at this. I do wonder now, though, if we're going to see more of Penguin's journey. Do you think it's necessary that we follow his story, however small it may be, or little moments here and there, since we've introduced him? Or do we is this the only time that we see him in this in this story? I feel as if this is going to be one of the only times we see him in the story. I feel like there's going to be this, you know, rundown of some of the villains, and and so that we can see their early days. Um, you know, Poison Ivy was focused in, focused on earlier, um, but it was brief and it didn't, and, you know, it doesn't need to keep going. You just show the character. So in, in, 
if anything other than, you know, I, I because it's the war of the joke and the riddles, you can show a bunch of other villains, but I don't really think there's a need to actually focus on them. Now, I know that eventually we're going to somehow they're going to work in Kite Man's origin and Kite Man into this war of the joke and riddles because it's, he's going to pop up in like two different issues sometime in, you know, in the in the coming issues. But I don't know that I really want to like, you know, solely focus on Penguin for, you know, you know, learn more about him. Like I, it's not, it's definitely something that they could, they could choose to do in the future in another storyline if they wanted to like, you know, tell a penguin story. And in the meantime, flashback to the times that we're showing here, that's fine. And if this is like, you know, in, in TV terms, a backdoor pilot to see how well it's received to see if that's something that they can do. Fine, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I don't have the problem doing it, but I don't think it's necessary to show that story right now. This is supposed to be about Joker and Riddler, and even though there's like a focus on these other villains, I, I the focus really needs to be a lot more on Joker and Riddler. Otherwise, it just it, it just comes across as so. What villain can we talk about this week? Right. So my other question is about the villains. We have these two splash pages. One with Riddler and that are jockeying to be on his side, or and he kind of got Joker and those villains. And looking through these, uh, do you think there's a rhyme or reason with any that were chosen? Do you have any major disagreements with how the how, how the chips fell? You know, the thing is, I I can't say that there necessarily well i'm maybe some of these characters there's a rhyme and reason as to why exactly they are actually part of a specific team but i mean i think the problem is that what it comes down to is focus again is not supposed to be on all of these other characters we have you know they, Mm -hmm. they showcase poison ivy we see some of the other characters that are teaming up with riddler some of them, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, just looking at who's on which side, I don't really see anything and say, yes, that, that makes complete sense. That one would make the most sense as to why they would be on that side. Uh, Clue Master is, makes, that's probably the one that makes the most sense. He's not going to be on the same side as Riddler. They basically have very similar, you know, gimmicks. Um, so him being sided with Joker that's probably one of the few that makes the most sense. Um, but honestly, like looking at it, you've got Deathstroke on one side, you've got, you've got uh, Deadshot on the other. Is there a rhyme and reason? Sure. They can't be on the same team. I guess you got Tweedledee and Tweedledum with Mad Hatter. That makes sense, but they could have just as much been on the other side of the, you know, they could have been on the Riddler's side. Um, you know, you've got Man Bat on one side and Firefly. So you got a guy who can fly on each side but I mean, like, it just feels like here's a list of villains we want to use, and this is how we're going to break them up. And there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason as to why all of these characters ended up on each side. Maybe they'll go into detail and explain how the you know how these characters ended up on each side. But I honestly, I, I feel like if they go into that detail, they're just fluffing up the story because it doesn't need to explain how all these characters came to side with the Joker or came to side with the Riddler. And where's my beloved killer moth? It's true. They could have easily just had <laughs> Firefly and killer moth on opposite sides. Yeah. On opposite sides. 
You know, I disagree with a little bit because I thought Kumaster was one that would certainly would want to be over on Riddler's side. I mean, they did team up a point in in a 1997 story in Detective Comics, but then Riddler betrayed the Clue Master. But I almost think that... I, I, I hope there is some to see all of these guys, but I almost feel like the ones that are more logical and scientific or knowledgeable would be on Riddler's side, and then sort of the, the crazies or the ones that are, like, uncontrollable or wouldn't want to follow anyone would be... With Joker, of course, probably some of the ones that don't want to follow anyone shouldn't be on this list. But, you know, I see Mr. Freeze and I think, well, you know, don't you think he'd be better on the Riddler? So there are just some of them that I wonder what it is. But sometimes it's just picking who's going to win in the race. And so maybe that's what these people are, are thinking. Uh, so, yeah, but those are the only – so far, I think we're just laying the groundwork right now and too much has really happened besides the war breaking out i guess that's true all right so batman i'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five and i will agree three and a half out of five and over on the website matthew gave it four out of five so that's going to give batman a total of three and a half out of five batarangs let's move into our next book detective comics Detective Comics number 960, written by James Tynion IV, art by Alvaro Martinez. Years ago, young Bruce and Zatanna break into her father's office where Zatanna tells him of a way to know impossible answers, including the future. In the present, Zatanna tells Bruce she can't share that with him. Batman tells her of his restored memories, the clash with the co- between the colony and the League of Shadows, and the consequences of not knowing. She responds by showing him the difficulty of remaining human and moral, when you have so much power, but Batman still asks for the knowledge of the sphere. In Switzerland, Ascalon bows before the new saint of the Order of St. Dumas, who ordered the murders committed so far. The AI struggles with encountering Azrael, the similarity but difference between itself and Jean-Paul. The mysterious saint removes Ascalon's restraints and sends it back to Gotham, plotting to bring Jean-Paul back to the fold. Meanwhile, Jean-Paul himself seeks Nomaz's help in the Belfry to resist the system in the form of a monstrous vision of Azrael we saw at the end of the last issue as he meditated in response to Ascalon's attack. Nomaz remains unconscious and Batwing and Batwoman call him to Foxtech to bring the suit of sours, the suit of sorrows for analysis. The system tempts him to put it on and awaken. In her hotel room, Zatanna shows Batman the Sphere, the god machine, telling him its destructive effect on anyone who's tried to use it. She tells him his questions about Tim, Roz, and Metal would consume him if he tried to use the sphere. At Fox Tech, Luke runs Ascalon AI through his Batwing suits and a secret project when Ascalon itself shows up ready for round two. As it takes control of Luke's technology, Azrael arrives in the other direction, trapping Kate and Luke between a, a rampaging, kludge-mind AI bent on murder and insane angel of death with a flaming sword. All right, so first question up, uh, let's talk about the art. Uh, we don't talk about art a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and honestly we probably should do that a lot more often. A lot of that just has to do with, I am more attracted to the writing on stories, but I really enjoy Alvaro Martinez's art. 
and his portrayal of some of these characters, especially Zatanna. So let's, uh, was there anything that you saw that you really enjoyed? Was there anything that you saw that you really didn't enjoy as far as the art goes? Thing that I did not enjoy. I think there are some really beautiful pages, especially when Zatanna is floating up and, and talking to rain going away and just the way that seeing the light and the absence of Zatanna at one point and then the leads coming down. I think that's really well done. As well as, even though I know you don't like him, Azriel's final page <laughs> as he is saying there's only one Azriel. I think uh, Martinez does a wonderful job of the characters and giving you different viewpoints of them so it's not all full body shots or full facial shots but when he does it he does different angles that you might not think about um there's another beautiful panel where Zatanna is sort of enticing Batman to learn about it, but also warning him about it. And you just see her eyes and her hair is sort of creating other images or or at least framing them. You see the owls and everything. So I think he does really wonderful and creative things with um, and what's going on in the back. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think when they showed the sphere, that was a really cool shot. The detail on the sphere itself, as well as the lighting around the sphere was really cool. Um, the detail just on Zatanna's outfit alone is really cool. Um, the page that you mentioned as well, where, you know, she, the, the, her hair is kind of framing a lot of the, the scenes, including the court of owls and Roz and things like that. There's a lot of, that, that's a really cool page and, and structured really well, but then just like immediately going into the next set of pages where you have Luke's workshop with the, you know, the, the bat suits that he's working on with the AI and the amount of detail that goes in there, but, a very like very machine like manner in, in there compared to like the magic elements that we see with the pages of Zatanna and things like that. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's, there's, it feels like anytime there's a character, a main character on this, on the page that they're, they're specifically focusing on, there's a different type of tone. You can immediately tell, you know, whenever Azrael's on screen, you can, you can feel the rage, when you feel the, when you see uh, Zatanna explaining it, you feel the sorrow that she feels for, you know, what could become of the knowledge from the sphere. But then, like Luke Fox, you can see the intelligence, um, just you know, because of all of the the machines and things in the room and things like that. It, it's it's really interesting to see how just the sim- simplest things can just make you really understand where where the character is emotionally. So. Props to Martinez. Honestly, he's becoming one of my favorite art artists on uh, a lot of the books that are currently being published right now. So props to him. Um, the other thing, I, I don't want to dive into too much of the Azrael stuff just because I feel like, again, we're just slowly building up the Azrael stuff and we're, we're, we're going somewhere, but we're not there yet. Um, I do feel as if Ascalon has some sort of tie to Azrael. Um, and the, the, that last line that we actually read or that we, that actually is in the book where he says there's only one Azrael, uh, it just made me think to myself that is it possible that Ascalon is a previous person who wore the suit of sorrows and the fact that James Tynion has done so much to bring back some of the continuity, uh, from, you know, before the new 52 and things like that, is it possible and it's just a hypothesis on my part this, or a theory. It's it's not necessarily I, I don't have a whole lot of proof behind this, but 
could it be possible that the person underneath the Ascalon suit is actually Michael Lane, the other Aswell that we know from Grant Morrison's run? Oh, and the one that you prefer, right? That's true. I do prefer him, but at the same time, yeah. it would be a really interesting way of bringing him in to the fold and still, you know, having being able to have both characters. Um, possibly. I think there's also a bit of a misreading uh, because John Jean Paul is saying that he's not Jean Paul. He's only Asriel, rather than saying there's only one Asriel. Right. I understand. Um, Okay, so it depends, I think, on your interpretation, I guess, of, of what he's actually saying. I think it's certainly possible. We are seeing that Tanyan is a fan, and he obviously does his research, and he, he's brought back some people that we've not seen probably since Denny O'Neill's run, maybe. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there, if we see and then it really does idea of who is Azrael potentially and who is the Israel. And then, well, then, however, we, because we've been reading Jean-Paul as Azrael, we're on his side, no matter what you say, because he's been on this team. So then essentially you're rooting being like mixed because it's not going to be the other way around. Terrible. If Lane got rid of Jean-Paul, it's not like Batwoman's going to invite him on their team. So be careful what you wish for. I think it's possible, but you're also potentially asking to get rid of that character as soon as he appears in Rebirth. Yeah, and I understand that. I understand that's that's entirely possible as well. Um, He could just get killed off, and that could be his story. So um, it was just something I I found interesting. I mean, I definitely understood that the you know when he says there is no Jean Paul, there is only one Azrael, or there is only Azrael, I should say. Um, it just was interesting because it felt like there's some sort of connection from Ascalon to Azrael. I mean, obviously they both were part of Saint Dumas, but it feels like there's some other connection there. I maybe I'm just grasping at things as usual, but um, that was one thing that I was thinking about. So, I mean, that's basically all I've got for this issue. I mean, again, we're just, we're kind of in the middle part of the story. We still have, I think two more, two, two more issues after this, before we wrap up, uh, you know, before we wrap up this story, but basically I think we're getting to, you know, the, the moment in time where stuff is going to start going crazy next issue, especially between Azrael and Ascalon. So we'll see how that plays out. Meanwhile, Batman's not involved whatsoever with any of that other stuff as he continues to hang out with Zatanna all the time. So with that, I'm going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. And I will agree again, three and a half out of five. All right. And over on the website, Ian also gave it three and a half out of five. So it's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, 
on July 5th, main TVU books. We already talked about Batman. Nightwing number 24, Nightwing must battle a slew of D-list villains weaponized by Tiger Shark as he tries to get closer to Blockbuster. This is reviewed by David. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn number 23, Harley heads to dinner with her parents as Red Tool and Poison Ivy come up with a plan to help <sighs> Harley out of a predicament. In the second story, Harley continues to renovate her new hideout. This is reviewed by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Bane Conquest number three, Bane and Batman uh, escape Damocles only to only for them to split up and Bane discovers a new crime empire ripe for the taking. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five and give this one a neutral. Um, thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number 24, the League respond to a crisis in the Atlantic only to find the cause to be Mira. After a quick battle with Mera, she may have just joined the League. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, DC Comics Bombshells number 30, which includes digital chapters 88 through 90. The bombshell versions of Victoria October, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Hugo Strange, and Joker's Daughter all appear in the issue. Green Arrow number 26, Black Canary continues to play a main role in the title along with a new supporting character of Kate Spencer. Injustice 2, number 5, which includes digital chapters 9 through 10, the Injustice versions of Bruce Wayne, Batman, Deadshot, Damian Wayne, Black Canary, Razel Ghoul, Lucius Fox, Orca, Killer Croc, and Man Bat all appear in the issue. Moving over to July 12th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 12. The birds team with Catwoman to infiltrate an enemy's lair where Poison Ivy is undercover. This is by Ian. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up, and I will say the Batman-Catwoman thing is in continuity, at least in this book. It's true. All right. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 12. The team must face off against Solomon Grundy, which causes Bizarro to deteriorate faster, causing his ultimate death. Zubai Bill, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Gotham Academy, second semester, number 11. The Detective Club head to Wayne Manor to seek out a way to free Olive from Amity Arkham. Along the way, they come in contact with Two-Face, Damian Wayne, and his version of Robin. Zubai Jerry, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, uh, there were none that week. The main DC Universe books, Titans number 13. The Titans attack a lab hoping to find the key to Bumblebee's memory problem. Instead, they discover that there is a traitor amongst them. Zubai Jim, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Justice League of America number 10, after heading to the place where Ray grew up, the team encounters King Butcher, the Slayer of Dreams. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 21, the squad, led by Harley Quinn, try to track down the leader of the Annihilation Brigade. Meanwhile, Amanda Waller must testify before Congress. This is reviewed by Josh, and he gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. And then finally, Dark Days, the casting number one is Batman continues to prepare for the upcoming war. Evil lurks on the horizon. This is by Corbin. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, I'll go with you, neutral. So speaking of Dark Days, the casting, the one real big TBU element that came out of that title was actually the fact that Duke Thomas now has his official call sign. His call sign is known as The Signal. Not sure I think that's the best best name for him, but it is what it is. It also feels like he's probably most likely going to be leaving 
the Gotham side of stuff because it was also revealed that he has metahuman qualities running through his veins. So he has powers that uh, will slowly be revealed as as the metal series progresses, obviously. But it, one of his powers has to do with emitting some sort of light, which prompts his signal code name. But um, yeah. Not sure how I feel. I, if if Ed, if Ed was here about uh, talking about Scott Snyder naming Duke Thomas uh, the signal, he'd probably say, "That's a great name. I love it. Scott Snyder is awesome." But uh, the reality of it is, uh, it's not. It's I'll, I'll say this about the Dark Knight, uh, Dark Days, the casting. It wasn't necessarily a bad issue. It just felt like it felt like one a sequel to the Dark. Uh, the dark days, the forge, it didn't feel like another standalone one shot. It just felt like a second issue of that. I don't know why it wasn't just called dark days. Number one, dark days, number two, leading into dark nights metal. I don't understand that the format of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The fact that they had so many different artists on the book sometimes was a little bit, uh, took away from the story because because there was such a drastic change from one group of characters we were following to the next. And don't get me wrong, I understand that the idea here was to get all these really, really big name artists like Jim Lee and John Romita Jr., Andy Kubert. I get that the idea was to have a ton of really, really big name artists on the book, but at the same time, some of the stuff like Jim Lee's final stuff with the team didn't feel finished. Um, mostly because they had other artists come in and, and hop on to his part of the story to help him finish. Um, but I think that that stuff detracted from the actual story itself. Plus, the other problem is there's a lot going on in this book. Um, I mean, and I don't know if it's going to continue like that once we get into Dark Knight's Metal. Um, if there's literally this much stuff going on, if that is the case, I feel extremely bad for Greg Capullo because he's doing the Metal series by himself. And there's a lot going on um, in these dark days one shots. So um, overall, it's 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 definitely got me interested in what's to come with metal. But I'm but at the same time, it also re completely the, the other big story point here is they completely um, rev- they they kind of like redo the idea of what metahumans are and how metahumans have been created over the course of the entire history of the DC universe. Um, and it has to do with different types of specific metal, nth metal, uh, kryptonite, uh, dysonium, which is the stuff that brought Bruce and Joker back from the dead in Scott Snyder's run. So, but outside of that, I mean, like the big thing is it's definitely got me interested in, to see what is going to happen in metal. But at the same time, there was a lot of stuff going on. And I'm not exactly sure that I am thrilled with every single thing that's going on. Meaning it's not that it's that I dislike it, but I'm not like super excited either. My question, number one, Signal, a terrible name. Um, But the other thing is, why now with Duke? Why is he all of a sudden manifesting powers when there are so many other times that he probably should have? I don't know. I think think what they're trying to get at is that he was exposed to something in the Batcave and that has actually prompted him to reveal that he has powers. I mean... That's that's my guess. You know, the fact that Joker attacks him, maybe that brings on it. Uh, I mean, clearly they revealed in the last issue that his mother was part or had something to do with the immortal men. Um, I don't know anything about the immortal men because it's outside the realm of the Batman stuff that I, 
you know, it's not Batman stuff at all, but I don't know anything about the immortal men, but I know that they've revealed that his mom had something to do with it. So they're already hinting that there was some sort of connection to, you know, other heroes or something, but it was more interesting to me that Joker was like saying to him, Oh, by the way, the whole reason Batman's kept you close is because he knows that you have powers. He's just been waiting for them to manifest. And then they actually do manifest right here. So, I mean, as far as why they haven't come up, there's no real explanation. I mean, obviously it's convenience because of the story and plot convenience, but I mean, I I don't know. I, I really hope that they do something about that. And and honestly, the buildup of not having a name for as long as he hasn't had a name and letting and and for the longest time, I thought we all thought it was going to be Lark because that was what he Mm. hinted at himself in that detective comics number 27 story that he wrote in the futuristic where there was a Lark, uh, you know, memorial or whatever, a, a case for his, his, his costume. We all thought that that was going to, that's who Duke Thomas was going to be. And instead he ends up being signal. That's just, yeah, yeah. I, I think it also attests to the fact that he probably isn't going to be associated with the Bat family much longer because with Lark, I think you have that connection. But Signal, all of a sudden, there's like no connection to the Bat family. So I, I honestly, yeah, I, I'm not going to go a whole lot more into detail just because I wasn't a huge fan of that name to begin with. But uh, I'll hold my, I'll reserve my judgment for what ends up happening in the pages of metal. Obviously we've got six issues of metal that are going to be happening from August to February of next year. There's other stuff that's going to happen in between with those one shots with the evil versions of Batman, as well as some other crossovers with like the Gotham resistance. Uh, Snyder also revealed that there's going to be some sort of crossover with metal within, within the pages of Justice League and Justice League of America uh, later on. I think that's the end of October is when that's happening. Um, but long story short, we'll let's just wait and see what happens. But for now, if what ends up happening is Duke Thomas has powers and he ends up staying part of the Bat family, it's the same problem you run into with like Gotham Girl, where you've got a, a character who has powers who basically out outmatches the other characters because of that power and it just the stories can't be formed around the character that doesn't have powers if their other person as part of the team has powers it's part of the reason why so many people say batman shouldn't be part of the justice because what does he really have to do as part of the justice yes he's a great tactician i don't want to go into that but there's a lot of there's a lot of valid points as to you know when you have somebody who doesn't have powers involved with people with powers the stories tend to focus mostly on the people with powers most of the time i'll just leave it at that anyway finally secondary dc universe books uh new superman number 13 batman of china and robin bot as well as the chinese version of bane called an anathema appear in the issue supergirl number 11 barbara gordon is backroll and supergirl are finally able to make it out of the phantom zone and then as far as tbu trades and hardcovers over the past weeks we had injustice ground zero volume one hardcover dc superhero girls a kid's coloring book batman noir dark victory hardcover tales of the batman jerry conway hardcover nightwing volume six to serve and protect trade paperback justice league the rebirth collection deluxe edition book one hardcover and Justice League Volume 3, Timeless Trade Paperback. All right, so with that, before we get into our listener Q&As, I just want to quickly say thank you to our patrons that we have 
for this month. July has rolled around, and uh, so far for the month of so for the month of June, we had a number of supporters that I quickly want to thank. Thank you to Ian, Lisa, Jerry, No Deuces, Robert, and Ian. Um, thank you very much for supporting. We also have a number of other supporters at, at the dollar level as well for the month of July, as Stella has said in the last couple episodes. And I will reiterate this time because this will be actually the last episode that will release as part of the month of July. If you are not supporting us on, on Patreon, but you choose to support us on Patreon for the month of July, if you support us at the $25 level, you will be entered into a raffle to be put in for a Backhold Oracle t-shirt that Stella is having made. Um, so if mm-hmm. you are actually at that $25 level come the end of July and you support us through the month of July at that $25 level, it, your payment clears, you will be part of that raffle. And if you are chosen, you will win a t-shirt, a custom Backhold Oracle t-shirt. Also on top of that, I will reveal that this month, if you are supporting at any level, whether it be the $25 level or the dollar level, you are entered into a bat raffle. The prize for this month specifically is a digital copy of the Lego Batman movie. So if you have not picked up a copy of the Lego Batman movie, or you have not seen the Lego Batman movie, the prize this month is a digital copy for that film. So support TBU on Patreon. If of course you do not wish to support us on Patreon, you can also support us hitting that donation button, that single donation button on PayPal as well, where you can pay with a variety of different forms of payment. But any any support is, is always welcome. So with that, we're going to get into our listener Q&As. We have just a couple of comments this time around. They are both pretty long, as usual, um, but we're going to dive into them. So the first one comes from Jessica. Hey, guys. About the previous episode, I have to say that I do hope Catwoman says yes and that we get to see the outcome. I'm trying to ignore my very strong, very present devil whispering that it will go nowhere. Or they, I have a very personal and particular point of view with those two, and that I see a lot of my parents in Selena and Bruce. I know firsthand the trouble that comes with putting two stubborn, strong, <laughs> strong-willed, and strong-minded people together with clashing personalities, but who still love each other deeply. The possibility that they might be portrayed as a after couple is what makes me a little bit scared about it. Besides, I know from experience that the one person who knows how to manipulate Bruce is Selena. This could shape some quite interesting plot points. As for the timelines, Tom King said in an interview that one of the reasons for the War of Jokes and Riddles being in the past is to avoid the sense of impossibility of Batman being everywhere at once, especially with metal happening during the summer. I was going to send some recommendations directly to Corbin. Congratulations. But as I see it, this could be helpful to many people who have little girls at home. I'll start with Stevenson, who is also behind Lumberjanes. Nimona, or, or Nimona, I'll go with Nimona, is a Robin-like figure that offers herself as sidekick for Sir Ballister Blackheart, the greatest villain in the realm. She just winds up being a tidbit more evil than he is. It deals with a lot of gray areas when it comes to morals, and it makes for a delightful 
your recommendation is good night stories for rebel girls it is not a comic book but it is illustrated the book is a collection of 100 short biographies about remarkable women such as jane austen elizabeth the first frida Kahlo, and the such just to sprinkle your regular bedtime stories with inspirational women. Don't forget to add some classics to the collections as well, Corbin. Pride and Prejudice, I read it when I was 12 and still hold it dearly. Harry Potter, and if she ever gets into horror, Frankenstein, and Interview with the Vampire. If you are willing to try Clarice Lispector's Hour of the Star, make sure she knows those are all women writing. It helps a lot. All right. So great suggestions for Corbin. And uh, mm-hmm. I, am, I I will say Corbin was uh, his baby was born. He had a baby girl and she was she was born healthy. Everything's good. It happened just a couple days after the episode posted. Um I believe it happened on Tuesday night. His wife was in labor for, I think, 30-something hours. It was crazy. So um, that being said, congratulations again to Corbin. Um, getting into some of the stuff about Selena and Bruce, obviously, as we've said, we want it to happen as well. Um, one of the things mm-hmm. that I do want to pull out of this comment is the thing about uh, Tom King saying in an interview that War of Jokes and Riddles is to avoid the idea that Batman is being everywhere at once. The problem with that statement is that <laughs> Batman is already everywhere. I mean, outside yeah. of the fact that he's in the pages of Detective Comics right now and outside of the fact that he's in the pages of Justice League, which is telling its own story, as well as Justice League of America, which is telling a completely different story, which he's also part of that team. And then, you know, then you throw in he's, you know, spending the night with Selena and who knows how long that's actually taking. Then you throw in the mix of, the you know, metal and that's not even including any of the crossovers that are outside of continuity or outside of the normal realm of continuity and things like that. But Batman is all over the place. So the idea of having one of the main Batman titles take him off the table and say, wait, we're going to tell this flashback story because it makes more sense to do this because he's already appearing in these other larger series or larger event type series and things like that. Sure. I guess, but metal's going on till February. More of Joker and Riddles is not going on till February. I think it's wrapping up in October. So I have a hard time believing that the idea is to take him off the table because he's all over the place. So in that regard, I'm going to say I don't believe that for a second when he comes up with the idea of this is why I'm telling the story. I will just go with my original thought, which is this just makes sense for what he's trying to tell because he wanted to tell a story back when Batman was beginning his career, as well as all of these other villains are much lower on the totem pole, like we saw Penguin and things like that. So that's where my thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, he's very much... I mean, this is this has been Batman forever, I feel like. You know, Batman... He's a detective, but there's like the Legends of the Dark Knight, and there are all those, you know, sometimes you pop up in Nightwing, so this isn't the first time, but, you know, it's it's good that Tom King is very fast. Doesn't answer our question about continuity that we keep bringing up, though. That's true. That's very true. All right. So our next comment comes from Ian. First, I apologize to Ed. Well, good thing he's not here. Since I'm John Snyder for this entire comment. Also, our Batman continues to be, <laughs> to be my least 
favorite of the current bat books because of my anger at Snyder's dangerously thoughtless approach to bioethics with the cloning device subplot. Oh, man. And because the way Alfred keeps his son, which is contrary to Alfred's sense of class and propriety. Over in more oh, jokes and riddles, I was interested to see Clue Master since he's directly connected to Steph. So I'm intrigued that he's apparently setting himself against Riddler. Potter competition and gimmicks. I also hope we get a reference to everyone's favorite blonde spoiler. Tom King's use of trailer pages at the end seems like a waste of space. Stop trying to hype me for the story. Just tell me the story. <laughs> Completely agree with Dustin that it's a really silly story device to try to convince us that Batman did something really terrible. It was one of the biggest problems with Batman and Robin Eternal, which I like better than going podcasts, but it was still deeply flawed. Exactly zero people believe that Batman killed those parents in front of their son as for your creating your own world of secondary characters i think it can be weak especially the way snyder does it where he creates a character but then hands it off to another person to develop and then gets mad when it doesn't work out much work out much better is what greg rucka and chuck dixon and other masters of comics do they work little characters in like gun bunny or christmas allen Oh, that's so sad. And slowly evolve those characters to become part of the world of DC. It also allows the creators to give texture to the world instead of just random plot device character walking on and giving the main characters what they need. Each character gets their own tiny, long-running arc as they show up more and more often. King's endings are less satisfying than Snyder's. In addition to Snyder's tendency to let his plots grow and become shapeless, the resolutions of Night of the Owls, Death of the Family, Zero Year, Endgame, and Super Heavy are some combination of cliched, underwhelming, nonsensical, and frustrating. Endgame, I'm looking at you. Oh, man. Just want you to know I actually cut my comments down before posting, and then I gave a emoji there well it's a good thing ed is not here let's just say that um <laughs> i know but it's yes um the, the the biggest problem i think that a lot a lot of the the stuff has happened especially with uh the war of joke and riddles is that it does feel like there's like this build up build up it's really interesting the build up continues the build up continues and then like suddenly we're we're it's like a peak. You just go straight up and then it's straight down to the bottom to the end. And it, there's not a whole lot of like middle. Um, honestly, this issue that we had this, this time around felt just like last issue where again, we are building up to something, but nothing is actually starting yet. I don't feel like reading the issue. I don't feel as if something is actually occurring or like, you know, the, the, uh, it's not that not, I mean, obviously stuff is happening. It's more of like a, I just don't feel like there's like an impending threat as big as what is being made out to be. I mean, the thing is like, when you look at the, the better example of, of uh, a Tom King story would be like, you know, the, the suicide squad run where Batman had his own suicide squad and he goes to Arkham and he gets the team and everything is good. But then suddenly we just immediately jump to Santa Prisca. The team is infiltrating. We have no idea why the team is 
decided to work with Batman and they're just working and they're just trying to take down Bane and get Psycho Pirate back so that they can fix Gotham Girl. Like there's this giant part of the middle of the story which would have been really interesting to see, which would have been Batman working alongside these villains and not just, you know, having these twists where, oh, Catwoman's bad. Wait, is she really? Nope, she's working with them all along. And it just feels like sometimes the stories just feel like that. With Snyder's stuff, I would say that it does feel like there's at least a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story. Um, three acts of the story as, as there should be. Um, but yes, definitely some of the uh, the the resolutions of some of those crossovers that are not crossovers, but the events type stories that Snyder has told and that have leaked into some of the other books do sometimes feel like what was really the, the gist of this? I mean, looking back at Court of Owls, sure, it introduced the Court of Owls, but what really was the end of that story? I mean, was there really any repercussions that, like, you know, had a lasting effect? Not not really. I mean, the Court of Owls exists, and it's still existing, and now it's existing in other forms of media, like, you know, animation films and the Gotham TV series. But what was really the end-all, be-all of that story? I mean, other than slowly introducing Harper Row in the epilogue of the story. Okay, but anyway, so that's that's basically all of the comments we have for this episode. Obviously, if you would like to have your comments read on the podcast, be sure to leave your comments on the website. There is a comment section below the podcast post on the website where you can leave your comments. And we will read those comments on the next episode. In addition to that, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and video from the Batman universe. Be sure to head over to the website. We are we, We've got a new news writer who is writing all kinds of our news. So be sure to check out the website as we are trying to become as punctual as possible with some of the news that is posting. So be sure to check out the website as on top of the editorials and the reviews that we have news is back. And obviously as you're listening to this Comic-Con is going on. So be sure to check out the website for all the latest news from Comic-Con as Stella, Josh, and Don attend yet again for TBU to cover all of the wonderful stuff that we have to cover. Um, We have a couple of interviews that Stella has lined up with a number of the comic creators. Uh, So we're looking forward to some of those and hopefully we'll get some awesome stuff to talk about on the next episode. In addition to that, as uh, as usual, has become accustomed the last two years, I will be doing a live tweet rundown of everything that's happening at Comic-Con for the Warner Brothers panel that focuses specifically on the DC Comics stuff. So be sure to follow us on Twitter for that. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, I'm, I am running some random contests here and there. Um, you know, name off your favorite whatever, and then you have a chance to win something. So be sure to follow us on Twitter if you are not following us on Twitter currently. In addition to that, uh, you can leave us reviews in iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. We're always looking for new staff members to come on board for the website. We do have a ton of comic series that are coming in the coming months as I ran off. I think like six or seven series that are coming out in the next couple months uh, or in, in, you know, you know, starting in the next couple months. So if you are interested in jumping on board the TBU staff train and you'd like to review comics, get in touch with me at TBU at the Batman If you have any other specific skills like edit, audio editing, video editing, graphic design, website development, anything like that. And you'd like to, 
have your skills shared with with the Batman universe, be sure to get in contact with me again at TBU at the Batman universe.net. In addition to that, uh, if you, you may have noticed that the podcast schedule has changed just a little bit starting in July, different podcasts are going to have very specific release schedule dates and days of the week. Uh, so back Oracle will now be releasing on Tuesdays. Robin, everyone loves the Drake will be releasing on Wednesdays. Um, Bat fans and Bruce Wayne's world will be alternating every other Thursday and uh, the Batman universe comic podcast will continue to release on Friday. And then whatever off Friday that the comic cast isn't on will be a new episode of bat books for beginners. So if you haven't checked out uh, last week was Batman war crimes next week's episode, will actually cover identity crisis. So be sure to check those out as well and be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have to offer. We have tons of content and tons of other podcasts to check out on a normal basis on the website. So be sure to check out everything at thebatmanuniverse.net. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. And this is Stella. You're listening to the Batman Universe Common Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.